welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. I'm your host, Heidi E. Wilcox, bringing you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you who are looking to connect where your passion meets the world's deep need. Today on the podcast, I had the real joy of talking to Tracy Balzer. Tracy is author, speaker, and guide. She's written Thin Places, A Listening Life, Permission to Ponder, and releasing this June, A Journey of Sea and Stone. So it's available for pre-order now. So if you would like, go ahead and order a copy from your favorite bookstore. In addition to all of that, Tracy is the Director of Christian Formation at John Brown University and serves as a spiritual director. She describes her calling as a calling to listen to God and people using the tool of spiritual direction. In today's conversation, we talk about, of course, spiritual direction, what that is, its role in our lives, and some ways that we can use that even if there isn't a physical person that we can talk to. She recommends some great resources that we'll link to in the show notes. So without further ado, let's listen to my conversation with Tracy. Well, I really appreciate that Winfield introduced us. That was that was a really great connection. Yeah, me too. Bless him. Yeah. How did you get to know him? <laughs> we don't even know each other, really. <laughs> I mean, this it's just the wonderful world of social media, you know. I honestly I honestly don't know. I think maybe I picked up one of his books and then followed him and then he noticed that I do things on Iona and that seemed to interest him. And then we chatted a little bit and you know how that goes. It's just, which, which I just think it's fantastic. That's um, if, if you at all speak the language of uh, strengths quest, I'm a connectedness person. And so I love finding connections that, you know, people have. And, and so ever since then, we've just kind of, you know, just very casual, casually connected on social media. So and you guys have never met. No, we've never met. And, oh, that's and, awesome because Winfield introduced us to connect us. I yeah. assumed you guys went, you oh, know, went yes. way back. We're such good <laughs> friends. We've grown up together. No, no, no. Uh, but and also, you know, he was so kind. He wrote uh, an endorsement for my upcoming book, which you know that. Yeah, we've never even met, and he went ahead and did that. So that was very kind. Yeah, that's that's really funny because when I got your introduction from him, like I said, I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And it is awesome. I just assumed that there had been like a physical meeting, not just on social media, but that's really cool. Well, I love it that he somehow uh, communicated uh, maybe a a stronger connection than we have because I will take it. (laughs) I love that. He's definitely the kind of person that I would love to be able to sit down. Really, the three of us, if we could sit down and have coffee. That would just be so nice. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? I would love that. <laughs> yeah. If we ever get to travel again, yes. I really hope that if, we if you ever, ever come get this to way. Travel again. Oh. Yeah, I know. So tell me a little bit about your faith journey. Sure. Well, I am one of those people. I mean, I'll, I'll be really upfront. I'm going to turn 60 this year. So that needs to give your listeners kind of some context of, of my life and faith journey, but I really am one of those people who, <laughs> for by God's grace, have just been followed Jesus all of my life as, mm-hmm. as long as I can remember. And so uh, even though I didn't really grow up in a family that was uh, particularly uh, a, a discipling kind of family, we 
it was a it was a rather broken family and we had a lot of stress in our family but i i came to know the lord through you know vacation bible school at the church down the street and just being i think a, a very compliant type of person have been pretty <laughs> eager to to be as obedient as possible throughout my my life i'm not a big risk taker i'm not a big um you know i don't tend to push the push the boundaries and so I've been a pretty good girl all my life, but but that has only been because the Lord has brought into my life so many people who have helped me and who have um, challenged me to know what a life of faith really looks like. Mm-hmm. I would say that a, a huge part of my life of faith was my my faith formation was um, you know being part of a healthy youth group in high school, but but. But the big decision was choosing to go to a Christian university. And um, I attended Seattle Pacific University in Seattle, Washington. And that just is really where I was challenged to integrate my faith with my learning. Mm. And, And it really is what put into my heart and mind a vocational calling to serve in that same capacity one day. And my husband, too, we met in college and and both of us just were so um changed and challenged by our experience at a Christian university that we were pretty eager to to do the same to to participate in that kind of educational ministry one day mm-hmm. ourselves and so here we are years and years later uh, we have served um, going on 25 years at uh, John Brown University which is a oh, wow. that, would, that would be very Similar, even though our, our culture is different, being in more rural uh, Northwest Arkansas, <laughs> very different than the Seattle area. But John Brown University has about 1,200 undergrad students, and and I've served uh, there as the director of Christian formation for 25 years, and my husband has taught theology. So here we are. Um, that's kind of been our our um, employ the way our faith has been. Uh, uh, demonstrated or acted out in an employment situation um, capacity. But then, you know, my faith has also been shaped by so many other things. Um, and we can talk about that. But yeah, um, yeah that kind of gives you a, a, a quick sketch of, of what life and work has looked like from a faith okay. perspective. I love yeah. that. Thank you. What does being the director of Christian formation mean? Ooh. <laughs> what do you do? You know, what's been so great about my job is that it means something different every year. Oh, wow, uh, and cool. that would be the understatement of, you know, the world, given the last year that we've gone through with COVID. It really yes, has changed this year. But but what it has really meant is that I've kind of, I mean, the most basic sense would be I would kind of be an assistant chaplain. Uh, because we have had a, a, a chaplain who oversees all of our formation uh, initiatives on campus, but I really come right alongside with all of that, our chapel program, um, any kinds of worship opportunities. I teach a little bit. Um, I work with students one-on-one in spiritual direction. So um, I get to do a lot of really interesting uh, relational ministry. Yeah. Um, it's great. It sounds like it. Um, and one thing I read about you, you described your calling as a calling to listen to God and people. How did you experience that calling and how did you know it was a calling? 
Ooh, yeah, that's a <laughs> that is a helpful question because um, it's it is one that I have felt quite confident in for many many years, and I think it's just because, as I implied earlier, I've had a lot of people helping me, and I, I in my faith journey. And I think I learned from others, from other mentors and spiritual directors and professors and pastors, that listening is so important in ministry. So I was blessed and encouraged in my faith by people who listened to me and who were willing to ask me hard questions. Mm-hmm. And and then also challenged by some really key writers and teachers of the importance of listening to God. So, um, so even as I might be sitting with a student, I want to listen to them, but I want to simultaneously listen to what the Lord is saying through them and to me. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a really, um, I think it's an important skill for all of us to have. Um, we can, Mm-hmm. So easily be distracted and misled by our own thoughts and by our own ways of perceiving life. And I just want to know how Jesus thinks about things, right? How, how Jesus, yeah. um, what he has to say. Um, I have found myself in recent days with so much chaos and upheaval in our in our country thinking, have we completely lost touch with what Jesus has to say about things? You know, that's a question I have to ask myself. Mm -hmm. For real. What you call about, talk about with the listening to other people, but also, and being present with them, but also listening to what God has to say to you and through you. Is that what you, uh, is that how you talk about spiritual direction? Absolutely. Okay. Um, So let's talk about that. Like what is, what is spiritual direction? Yeah, I really when when a student comes to me or anyone comes to me and and they seem interested in some sort of mentoring or relationship or a spiritual direction relationship, I I kind of let them know that what what I feel called to do is to help them listen to the voice of God in their life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not only listening to them and listening to God. I want to help them learn to do that. I want to help them to um, connect with the voice of God in their own life. So spiritual direction to me is just sort of a fancy way of saying, let's get together and talk about where are you seeing God at work? Where are you sensing uh, God's leading? How How is he speaking to you in scripture or in the voices of wise people? Um, or are you feeling like his voice is silent? You know, let's talk about that. Um, I think we too often feel like those kinds of questions are luxurious questions. Like we, sh- we shouldn't take time for that. We've got too much mm-hmm. to do in our lives. But really, all of our doing needs to be informed by what we're hearing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I hope happens in spiritual direction. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done spiritual direction a tiny bit um, with somebody here. But I guess, how does... And so I know, but I guess I'm thinking about the people who may be listening who haven't done it and don't know exactly how it works. So could you, I'm assuming every session isn't the same, but could you talk a little bit about 
how you listen and how you hear God in these sessions? Mm. Well, one thing that um, is important, and I confess I'm not always really good at this because working with students might be a little bit different. I, I think I do adjust the way I do spiritual direction with students compared to how I might do it with older adults because students are so relational and they come into my office, you know, I just want to chat and and laugh and tell stories, but really a spiritual direction direction session always needs to begin with silence in, in my best, in best practices uh, in, in my mind, just because we have so much noise going on in our lives, in our external and internal landscapes, you know, there's just so much going on and, I recognize that I can't begin to listen to God or to someone else until I'm just quiet for a while. And so I always invite a directee or someone coming for spiritual direction to just, let's just sit and be quiet for a few moments (laughs) and and invite the Holy Spirit to open our ears, you know, so that we, so that we can hear, Mm -hmm. um, I've already forgotten your question, Heidi. Oh, no, you're great. <laughs> no, you're great. I was just wondering kind of what the session. Yeah, what the um, session would look well, like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so we always, I, I I intend to start with that silent time and, and maybe with a prayer or a psalm. I think that just grounds us, you know, to get us to a place again where we're, we're listening. And then it really is my goal as the spiritual director to ask the directee some key questions. And again, I I feel like when a, a trained, um, sensitive spiritual director is able to ask good questions to a directee, it's a real gift to them because hardly anybody ever asks us those kinds of questions, you know, that help yeah. us really know honestly what's going on inside and what we're hearing from God. And especially if our answers to those questions are not real great, you know, like, so I I really want the person coming for spiritual direction to have the freedom to tell me the honest truth. I'm not interested in hearing just real kind of glossy answers, hyper spiritual Mm -hmm. answers to these questions. If you're not hearing from God, I want to know about it. And that's okay. Um, oh, good. Because yeah. sometimes when I've done it, the person I was doing it with was great. But I did feel that pressure just because I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be hearing something. I don't know what I'm hearing. So how do you know? How do you know if you've heard God? Mm. Honestly, sometimes I just um, that's when I try to be real affirming to the person that I'm talking with. If they are just like, I want to know what's going on in their life. I feel like we have to be careful not to hyper-spiritualize everything. So, you know, what is work like? What is school like? What are your friendships like? What are you seeing and noticing around you? Because God speaks to us in such simple ways. Sometimes we make it so hard for ourselves. Like it has to be some great epiphany, you know, some great uh, moment in where the sky breaks breaks open and and gives (laughs) us this great message. And yet what we really need to do, and I hope that this happens in spiritual direction too, and in my teaching is just to teach, teach others how to pay attention and how to just be alert to the, 
the truth that God speaks to us of his love and his um, intentions for us that is all around us in creation and in the people that we live with who all bear the image of God, mm-hmm. in addition to obviously uh, scripture, that needs to be a primary place where that that happens. And so, um, you know, as a spiritual director, I, director, I, I hope I can also give a directee some guidance if scripture is tasting sort of dry in their mouth, you know, well, mm-hmm. then let's, then let's look, let's approach this in a different way, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so, so I think it's, it, what I hope is that it opens up a directee to just experiencing God in ways that they have been closed off to because it's been too prescriptive for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's been, you know, prescribed maybe in their church, like this is how you encounter God. Well, actually, we're not going to put God in that kind of box. You know, there, there's so much more to experience with him. And, um, and so let's talk about that. What does that look like? And, um, and so I really tried to have the, your question of how do we know when it's God speaking? Um, I, that's part of what I really enjoy about spiritual direction is I love just affirming the directee when they say, when they, when they, you know, just articulate some simple story or some simple experience. And I can say to them, you realize, don't you, that God is telling you how very much he loves you through that simple experience. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I don't know why I don't notice that, but I, but we don't, you know, we just, we, we do tend to make it harder than it is, I think. And so, um, yeah, we, yeah, we definitely do that. And as you're talking, you've explained it very well and it seems more concrete than I've ever really thought about it before. And it's Mm -hmm. okay that it hasn't been in, at least in my head. And I think there is some vagueness to it as you work and listen, but because Mm -hmm. it, because it is kind of vague. What are the what are the guardrails in in spiritual direction? Um, if somebody's thinking about going and they're like, "But this other person is going to start speaking into my life in critical ways," what if what if, what are what are the guardrails to keep me from being led astray? Yeah, and honestly, that's a really important thing to consider because there are all kinds of spiritual directors out there formal and informal. And and, <laughs> yeah. and we know as we've learned about spiritual formation over recent in recent generations that we are constantly being formed, right? That yes. That whatever we're listening to or participating in is making us who we are. And so I do think that um, a when we put our souls sort of into the care of a spiritual director, it needs to be someone who is absolutely grounded in scripture. Um, that's to me, that's our biggest guardrail. Um, and so if anything is said or suggested in a spiritual direction relationship that does not line up with who Jesus is, who he says we are to be the, the essential commandments of scripture and the, the models that we have there. I just think that, you know, that's where the red flags really, really have to go up. And I've, Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen that, you know, in, in a lot of places where it gets in, whether it's books or podcasts or speakers, you know, where it gets quite relativistic and I get really uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. If we're talking about Christian spiritual formation, we are talking about being shaped into the image of Jesus. That's who we're talking about. And so, so that, that's yeah. our biggest guardrail. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How do we know? How do we know when to seek out spiritual direction, and how do we find a person? Well, this is the big dilemma because <laughs> okay, uh, I. I do feel like I'm seeing more people getting trained in spiritual direction, which is is refreshing. Um, I think for the longest time, it's just uh, it, it does tend to have its roots in um, the Catholic tradition, which has made it um, inaccessible for Protestants for a, a variety of reasons. There was a time where really, if you wanted a good spiritual direction, you really needed to go to a monastery. Uh, a, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, back up. If you wanted a good spiritual director, you needed to go to a monastery. And uh, because that's where the deep tradition lies. And mm-hmm. um, I did uh, meet with a Catholic sister for a while because of that. But I, I feel like there are more really good uh, Protestant programs that have been established for training. So that's good. But it is hard. Like, what do I do? Google spiritual direction? Well, probably. Right. <laughs> you know, you might as well. We Google um, everything else. We Google everything else. So that's a good place to start. Um, you know, there are there are organizations that that um, make spiritual direction available. And you know, what's great now is that, of course, COVID or not, we can do spiritual direction over a screen, which That's true. De- doesn't seem great, but it's actually not too bad. Um, yeah. I was a director for a, a woman in Poland for about a year and, you know, we actually made that work. But, but I think, um, how does a person find a good spiritual director and, and does, and how do you know when? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just like, if you feel that tug, like I would like to learn more about what God is saying in my life. I think I need some help with that. Not even in a therapeutic sense, but in a companioning sense. Like in, um, I, I really love the image of the two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus Mm -hmm. and Jesus is walking along with them, but they don't realize it until later. And I feel like spiritual direction is helping another person recognize that Jesus has been walking with us all the time, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. along. And, and, and we can actually have a conversation with him and know that he is with us. Um, so I think when that desire is there, then, you know, that's when I just encourage anybody um, to pursue spiritual direction. Now, having said that, I will also say for me personally, it's been rare that I've actually had a person in the flesh to meet with. It's because it's been hard to find someone that I feel like is a really good match. Oh yeah. Um, but I've had for you personally, for me personally, yes. To um, my my first spiritual director was actually there in Wilmore uh, when we were there at Asbury Seminary, and that was a fantastic experience. Yeah. Um, what was this person's name, if I can ask? Yes. Um, she has a, a deep roots there and has gone on to be with the Lord now, but her name is Margaret Thurkelson. Oh, I think I've heard of her. Yeah, she. I'm sure she has a reputation there in Wilmore as being a great saint. And yes. um, she was a profound influence on my life. 
Um, but other people who have served, and I have met formally with other directors, but in the meantime, honestly, my spiritual directors have come through books. So people who maybe you know aren't even living anymore, <laughs> but, right? But they they have been um, really good at helping me listen to the voice of God because of what they have written, mm-hmm. and and so I think that there that there's a lot of ways we can receive good spiritual direction even if we don't have the if currently have the the option of meeting with a a person. Yeah. What are yeah, and we might not because of COVID or right. um, just because we're like, I don't, there's no one that we can connect with right now. So right. what are what are some of the books that you would recommend if they're if we're in that place? The books that have meant a lot to me have meant a lot only because of who their authors are. This is gonna seem really I don't know <laughs> if it's gonna be relatable. But I will say that maybe maybe I should say there have been people that have been influential who actually also happen to be writers. And Lucy Shaw is one of those people. She is a poet and a writer of a gazillion books. She is in her 90s now. And is just one of the wisest, most attentive, contemplative people I have ever uh, had the pleasure of knowing. I have taken a class or two with her. Um, we've, excuse me, we've connected in different ways over the years. She's written endorsements for my books, but what she has written in the form of poetry has just been so influential in helping me pay attention to God. Mm -hmm. So she has a new book of poetry called The Generosity that I would just so encourage anyone to pick up. I am not a person who knows or understands poetry. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm only learning, but Lucy's has always spoken to me because it is so contemplative. It is so attentive. And her descriptions of how God makes himself known to us through his creation is, is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. That forces me to ask myself some questions and respond in my own journal. So that's kind of how, if I would say the the, the uh, process of spiritual direction happens with someone who I don't meet with regularly, that's how it happens. I read, and I respond, and I write, and I oh, pray. I yeah, and so so really, there I would say there really isn't any excuse for me or anyone to say we don't have access to spiritual direction because there's so much good material out there to respond to in a way that um, helps us ponder the the words of God, mm-hmm. the voice of God. And yes. Lucy has certainly served in that way for me. Definitely. And you also, you've written several books, Thin Places, mm-hmm. um, A Listening Life, Permission to Ponder, and you have a new one coming mm-hmm. out in June, A Journey of Sea and Stone, How Holy Places Renew and Guide Us. Would you tell us a little bit about your book? Yes. And and um, the, the, the thing that is interesting, given our conversation, is that this book, uh, Journey of Sea and Stone, really is about spiritual direction. Really? It is. But think, but here is another way 
that it is rather unconventional spiritual direction because it's all about how an island has been a spiritual director for me, which wow. sounds really bizarre. But, <laughs> but the but um, uh, recently I read, oh, I wish I had it at, at my, my fingertips. I can find it. Um, a quote by um, Eugene Peterson that um, talks about, I'm calling it up right now, Okay. Um, on my Instagram, <laughs> it talks about um, how, here it is. He says, the Psalms showed me that imagination was a way to get inside the truth. And then he continues by saying, um, as I have often told my students, a metaphor is a verbal link between the invisible and the visible, between heaven and earth. Mm. The island of Iona, which is just um, on the western coast of Scotland, it's a holy place, a sacred place of great Christian history and of incredible natural beauty, has served as that metaphor for me. It has, Iona is known as probably the ultimate thin place. So my first book about thin places is about Iona. This most recent book is about all the things that Iona has taught me how it has helped me to listen for the voice of God in, in such a metaphorical way, in its beauty, in its history. It's almost like a person has been leading me along. It's just that I happen to be on an island. And I know it has done that for many people um, over the years. I have been there many, many times, and I take people with me as much as I can to, to sort of be there in a, in a very quiet thin place. A thin place mm -hmm. is known sort of in the Celtic tradition as the place where um, the dividing line between earth and heaven is tissue paper thin. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, um, so this book, <laughs> the, the end of this very long answer is about the three questions that Iona has, the three spiritual direction questions that Iona has helped me to address. And they are, where is God? Who am I? And what do I have to offer the world? Oh, wow. And those are questions that that I ask my directees in maybe slightly different ways. But but those are real key spiritual direction questions. Mm -hmm. Where is God? Who am I? And what do I have to offer the world? And um, so that's this new book um, is a collection of essays about my experiences on Iona and how that island has helped me answer some of those questions or begin to answer some of those questions. Yeah. Could you answer one of those questions for us? Um, you can pick whichever one of the mm. three that you would like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it might that. be a little personal, so I no, hope that's no, no, okay. No. Mostly I'm thinking about like what is, what is helpful. I, I mean, this might seem a little bit redundant, but I am the, the question of where is God? Oh, yeah, let's again, go there because I have questions yeah, about that, too, okay. especially right now. Oh, oh, right. Um, where is God? I am uh, really thinking about this a lot. Um, I've been thinking a lot and engaging a lot with, um, I don't know if you know the author and artist Makoto Fujimura. He has, he has recently come out recently, very recently, like last month with a book called um, Art and Faith, um, The Theology of Making. And mm. basically his work is helping us to remember that um, 
culture, engaging in culture wars is not really effective. What we need to um, engage in is culture making that we need to, instead of a battle to be won, our culture is a garden to be tended. And so I think um, what, when we ask the question, where is God? Um, we're also asking the question, and what do I have to offer the world? Like, how can I be part of um, the renewal of all things rather than the destruction of all things? How can I be part of God's um, great kingdom uh, project of bringing about uh, the new creation? And so when I think about mm-hmm. where is God and and what Iona has taught me, is that it is, again, learning how to pay closer attention to where he is and what he is doing through through some of the things that we tend to just overlook. And again, this is how Lucy has helped me too. I remember Lucy asking us one time in a retreat I was at, she said, look for the small things. Don't just look for the big things. And where is God? What is God speaking to you through the small things? Um, through creation, through the beauty of creation that is right here and has not been changed by COVID, by the way. That is true. Um, you know, it is still around us. I, I live in a beautiful part of Northwest Arkansas in the countryside, and we've got lots of trees. Um, if I would just stop and re- be reminded of the significance of trees, this starts to sound a little uh I don't know, (laughs) a a little unsubstantial maybe, but it is contemplative. It is, it is um, looking at what has been created and remember that a tree is what we see in Psalm one, that, that, you know, the, the person who is the faithful, righteous person is like a tree that grows next to water and whose roots go down deep and whose leaves bear fruit in season, uh, which means that we don't bear fruit all the time. You know, trees have a natural, a natural sort of pattern of, of growth and life. The trees outside my window right now really don't look that great, but they will in the spring, you know? Um, so, so where is God? I need to learn, learn to look and especially, um, when when this time, which I will be honest, has been a very depressing time for me, it's been really difficult to see what's going on in the world on on various levels. And um, we are we are going to start up our classes here in a few weeks. But you know what? Before we come on campus, we all have to get tested for COVID. Like this is just yeah. so unnatural. Um, so where do we look for God in the places that He? is and always has been return to the truth of scripture, return to speaking the truth to each other in love and, and just staying connected to what we know is true. Yes. And staying connected to what we know is true. I have found to be difficult sometimes, <laughs> very difficult sometimes. And, and tell me why that is, do you think? What, what has been difficult about that for you? I think... I think it's because, excuse me, I think because the, I mean, COVID, for example, I feel pretty safe myself, but it's just the overwhelmingness, how huge the problem is. And it seems so much bigger than it can like block out the truth that 
if I settle down and think and be calm, then I know the truth. But when I'm just all anxious, it blocks out the truth that when I talk to my husband, for example, he's like, but, but you don't, but like, but that probably isn't going to happen or whatever. So when I focus Mm -hmm. on what is true versus what makes me really anxious, um, yeah, then I can see the truth. Does that, does that make sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and also, you know, this is one of the things that we learned in spiritual direction, of course, is that we're all different. And so we all process this differently. You, you might feel this, uh, level of anxiety much more acutely than your husband, who's a different person. And, and I, that's certainly true in, uh, in our house. My husband (laughs) is able just to sort of sail through and I just like, how how do you not get totally overwhelmed by this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's funny knowing that, you know, you're there in Wilmore. I'm here in Silent Springs. We we're, we're really are quite removed from, from the worst things going on in the mm-hmm. world. But we're so connected because of technology. And, um, yes. and that makes it hard to know what is the balance between knowing and caring about the pain of the world and recognizing that I can't carry it all. Oh, I know. I've just had to stop listening to the news. I listened to a little snippet, like a 15-minute podcast that mm. keeps me updated in the morning. And then there's a radio show I listen to, and that has news breaks on it. And that is pretty much it because I'm like, I know enough. And between that and talking to my husband, who also keeps up as well, we kind of, I'm like, this is enough. This is all I can handle. Right. Because so, because early on, I was listening to a lot of news because it just felt like I felt like it was my duty to absolutely know what was happening. And it still is. But I'm like, I cannot know as much as I was knowing. I I completely identify with that, that, that yeah. sense of responsibility. Like, I should I should understand what's going on in the world. And I don't know if this was true for you, but I think that was especially heavy over the summer when, mm-hmm. when racial tensions were just so high, um, it felt, uh, I, I wasn't sure I was being a compassionate person if I didn't keep up with that constantly, yes. even though yes. there literally was not a thing I could do about it. But, I, and I think also I feel the responsibility as an educator, you know, I need to be able to speak about this to my students. Yes. You have to, we just have to recognize our limits, you know, um, we cannot, yes. we not, ca- cannot carry all of this. No. Now, I think I heard on a podcast, I forget which one, so I can't give them credit, but they were talking about how the news, like we know, we know what's happening, not just all across our state or area that we're in, but we know what's happening in Australia today, yep. you know, because it's all available. And so the podcaster was saying that we were only really created to know what was happening in our community, which depending on where you live, your community size can vary. But even in large cities, you have your your neighborhood kind of area. Uh-huh. Oh, that's and so that, refreshing. Like, yeah, we can and I was do like, that. Yeah, I can handle what's happening in my town. Yeah, yeah. I have recognized in myself at such an elevated sense of anxiety that is directly related to how much news I consume. Yes. And directly related to, uh, so, so I, so I, you know, wrestle with this wanting to be responsible and knowing what's going on in the world. But then I've realized that the more I do that, the more I take in information about things that I can actually do nothing about, that that just increases my anxiety level. And like you were saying earlier, Heidi, it, it 
makes it harder to know what is true. Yeah. And yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm well, just no, thinking no. along with you. Yeah, that that I I know it is so hard for me to learn this. I don't know why it's so hard for me to learn this, but on the mornings when I force myself to first listen to what is true in the form of, you know, uh the practice of Lectio Divina, listening to scripture, being quiet and still reorienting myself. On those mornings, I have I am much better equipped to move into the day mm-hmm. and not be overwhelmed by all the messages that I'm being bombarded with. Yes. Yes. I think it was November that I was I wasn't like literally going over the edge as far as you needed to call the white coats. And I was not, but I was, I was not okay. And still sometimes I wonder if I'm okay, but I've cut back my news and, and my husband was very gracious. He said, Heidi, you really have got to stop because I would talk to my mom and I'd be like, mom, are you guys wearing your mask? Are you doing all this? Don't go anywhere. Like, don't do anything. Like, and I was really being, I mean, there are places for those conversations, but I was really being quite annoying and obnoxious Mm -hmm. and unkind about it out of the fear that was in my heart. And, Mm -hmm. and I stopped listening to the news as much because as my husband said, he was like, you know, the right thing to do. So listening to all of that isn't going to change your actions. And it just, it just upsets you. So, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Let everybody else do what they're doing and stop taking on the responsibility for everybody. I, you know, this is probably completely aside from your, the purpose of your podcast. Here, but, <laughs> no, I love it. But, um, um, oh, no, I can't remember what I was going to say. We were talking yeah, about news. Were, yeah. Yeah. And you're and what you're able to do. Uh, it'll come back to me we, we, okay. if, if it does. It's, if it's important, it'll come back. <laughs> okay. So but, I want to go back. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go. Um. So. Uh, so you were likely finishing up your book, A Journey of Sea and Stone, during the pandemic? Is that right? Okay. So how did that affect what you your work and what you were writing about? Huh. Um I actually or, or, or did it? Because it was about a completely different thing. Right. I just didn't know if it kind of changed kind of your thought processes or anything. Um, I think uh, the interesting thing, I think my manuscript was uh, the final manuscript was due in February, so it was just before okay. everything cut loose. But then, you know, there's lots of editing that comes after that, and you have to ask yourself: Should we be, you know, should we mention something about the pandemic? And um, I never really did go back in and write anything about the pandemic. Uh-huh. But interestingly enough, I don't know if you know Scott Erickson and his artwork. I don't. Um, yeah, he would be worth looking at. Uh, I, I, I bet Winfield knows who he is, but he I'm wrote. Sure. He ended up writing the foreword for for my book, and that just happened in the last month. So he was able to address it, I think, in a helpful way. Oh, yeah. Um, but as I was still, you know, even though the manuscript was done in February, I was still, there's still a lot of work to do uh, month by month and editing and such. And I mean, how it affected me was it just allowed me to escape a little bit, to be honest. Um, yeah. And, and, and that is one of the things that... Um, People who go to Iona with me, I think, I think we all feel a little bit like when we go, 
it, it is a genuine escape. You feel a little bit like you're walking into Narnia. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, but, but you recognize that it's not permanent, you know, we're not escaping permanently, but it is to give us a sense of what life is to be like and can be like, and helps us hopefully bring back to our regular busy lives, some of the things that we, we learn there. And so I think even in the midst of COVID and you know, lockdown, and I have the same fears as you do for my my in-laws uh, who are elderly. It does help me to sort of re-enter that sacred space mm-hmm. of um, being alone with God and letting His beauty remind me of who He is, getting a clearer vision of what it means to live a life of faith, walking with Jesus, all of those very basic things. Um, you know, this is when it counts, is when life gets hard. This is, yeah. we have seen this uh, throughout history that when believers, when the church uh, goes through a really hard times, this is when our faith is tested. And, and, um, and I think that's, yeah. that's what we're in the middle of. Yeah, definitely in many, many ways. I don't um, like it, by the way. No, I don't like it either. <laughs> that, does yeah. not, that does not make it a, a good idea in, in my no. way of thinking, but I but I know that it's true. You know, I know yeah. that I have lived a relatively uh a life that has been relatively free of suffering. Mm-hmm. And that is not has not been the pattern throughout history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is for sure. Um, when we entered the pandemic last March, almost a year ago now, yeah. um, people had to be still in ways that they hadn't had to before. But then we all started learning, as we needed to, how to continue to do things and continue to live. Um, but even in that time of stillness, at least for me, it didn't seem necessarily still because I was working from home and it still sometimes felt like there was, it was a little bit different, but that there was still kind of this hurry, you know, that Mm. I was still in. And then also there was, you know, like on Instagram or different things, people are baking bread and remodeling their houses and cooking all sorts of things. And I'm looking at it going, I don't have I'm still working 40 hours a week, even though I'm not in the same place. And now I'm supposed to bake bread and do all these (laughs) things too. (laughs) So, so I guess my question is even during that time, there was still the temptation to um, hustle in ways that were exhausting. So how do we find, how do we still have the listening life no matter what is going on? I have um, very intentionally used this time not because I felt the pressure to, but because all of a sudden I saw a, a window of opportunity to create a little sanctuary for myself. Really? <laughs> um, and, and I realized that this is a real luxury. My husband and I are empty nesters now. So the house that once had four people living in it <laughs> only has two. And so we have um, my younger daughter's bedroom that for years I've said, oh, one day that's going to be an office for me, uh, not realizing that I would actually need it and use it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because even though on our campus we are meeting in person, uh, we have the freedom to work from home. 
And my husband um, does have a chronic disease. He has MS. And so we're being especially careful. Mm-hmm. So I really only go into the office when we're when classes in session. I really only go in the office a couple of days a week. So most of my work is, is still done here remotely um, at home. And it, and it works mm-hmm. just fine, actually. So I took the time to make my office with my husband's help a place that I really enjoy being and a place that feels, um, even though it's my workplace and my computer set up, um, I've actually sort of just recreated a little Iona space for me. I've used all those soothing sea colors and images and paintings that I've collected over the years and books and, and, so all that is to say is how do we find a place to listen? How do we find a way to do it when you're working 40 hours? And like, yeah, I never got onto the whole sour bread, <laughs> sourdough bread thing. Um, but, but, but I think it is a good time to ask yourself, okay, but, but what would be helpful for me? What mm-hmm. would be, um, what would help me care for myself a little bit? Mm-hmm. Do I need to create a space for myself? Do I need to, like you said, you did very wisely, cut out the news um, for a while. Simple things that I have not done well at, especially as we're getting into the winter months of, you know, someone said the other day, just getting 30 minutes of sunshine every day would do wonders for your mental health. And I think, you know, walking and being outside is a wonderful way to learn how to listen because you're also forced to, to look at your yes. surroundings and see what's going on. And so it, it does, I think it does take a lot of intentional reimagining our lives mm, um, yeah. to see where are the life-giving places and to give ourselves permission to lean into those. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that uh, our 40 hours of work is not going to be as productive if we're falling apart. Right. Um, our relationships are not going to be healthy if we're falling apart. I feel like I'm falling apart. Just so you know, Heidi, you're not alone. <laughs> I, 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 and I think I think this is true for a lot of people. We need to be yes. on, honest about this too. So, so every day I kind of ask myself, okay, I've, I've got a battle that I'm fighting here. What can I, how can I um, lean into what is life-giving and and what is true and what is beautiful how can i remind myself that i am not alone in this that jesus walks before me behind me beside me stands above me carries me below all of those just things that just take a lot of intentional effort i'm afraid yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's it doesn't come naturally you have to cultivate that and and take time for it. And as many as a, a number of people have said, both secular and spiritual people have said, you know, we're not actually sure we want to go back to what is normal, you know, right. what we were doing before, because what we're recognizing is that we were, our lives are crazy. Yes. <laughs> Who do we think we are, you know, that we can keep up this pace and, 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 uh, and still, uh, and not lose our souls. So, right. cause that's what I was thinking when you said to cultivate, of what what matters what do you it's not always what you enjoy we all have to do things we don't enjoy but kind of that what is life giving to you and i was thinking that was always the question we just didn't take the time to ask it before right 
Right. And, right. and, and again, I, I, I think going back to what we were saying earlier is to recognize our limitations, that it mm-hmm. is okay to be limited. Yeah. Um, I don't know why in our Western American Christianity, we've just gotten this message somehow that we have to be and do everything. Uh, a lot of wise people have been speaking against that in recent years. And I think <laughs> that's especially becoming true. You know, it, it's, it's in our face right now. Yes, definitely. Um, I want to, before we wrap this up, I want to ask about your podcast, A Listening Life, because mm. it's a short, when I looked at it, it's a short podcast that leads listeners through Lectio Divina, which exactly. kind of offers us a quiet, a, the quiet space that we've been talking about. So it are does you, indeed. Yes. Yeah. So I'm hoping you're going to continue to do that. It's, I mean, if I can add pressure when we've been talking about not adding pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I, I only just yesterday I thought, oh, I've really got to uh, contact my our, our radio uh, manager, our radio station manager and let him know. I really do want to come in and do more of those. I've really kind of stepped back in in uh, sort of the, the second half of what it was our fall semester Mm-hmm. And just stopped recording. What's really nice is they kind of let me do it whenever I want. So, oh, so that it's is great. Nice. Yeah, there's no real schedule, but it is time to add some new, new episodes on there. It's a great compliment to me to hear a friend say, "Oh, I listen to Tracy's podcast as I'm going to sleep at night." Yes. <laughs> because you know, it's like, hey, if that's if that helps you to be at peace as you come to the end of the day, then do it. But it really is yeah. just um, each. Each episode, I guess, it would be like maybe 11 minutes long. Yeah. And I choose, uh, usually there's a series of 10 or 12. I've used a lot of Psalms because I just think that it, the Psalms speak to us, especially in this time, so profoundly and help us pray when we don't know how to pray. But the Psalms in, in the Gospels are excellent passages for Lectio Divina, for mm-hmm. you know listening to a passage several times and giving yourself some silent space in between to let them um, really settle in. Uh, my book, Permission to Ponder, is really all about that process and, um, and just how to let, let the... As uh, Robert Mulholland, a former uh, professor at Asbury Seminary, uh, taught us in his book um, that scripture needs to be not merely informative. It needs to be formative. We need to be transformed mm-hmm. by it, not just gain information. And so, so that ancient Benedictine practice of Lectio Divina, it really helps do that. And especially for people who aren't, aren't familiar with it, I think it also helps to listen to someone lead you through it. You don't have yes. to, you don't have to worry about a thing, just join in and settle in and let the scripture speak to you. If we ever want to know how to listen for God's voice, maybe that's, that's what we need to do. Yeah. I really enjoyed it when I was listening to a couple episodes as I prepared for this podcast. And so when I was asking about your podcast to you, it came across as kind of a should. I wasn't trying to should you. I was more asking because I was hoping that there would be future episodes. Oh, thank you. No, I mean, there's there's so much scripture out there that we need to listen to. I think we could we could keep going for quite a while. And I'm just so fortunate that, uh, you know, JBU has a, a nationally recognized uh, Christian uh, radio station and our studio is just down the street. So it couldn't be easier. Um, oh, wow, I, just, that's awesome. I just pop in and they they do all the hard work for me. 
So it's really nice. nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so we're, we've come to the end of our time. I feel like we're just kind of getting started and could keep going. Um, but before we, before we wrap it up, is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Oh my goodness. <laughs> No, but okay. Heidi, if we want to talk some more, you've you you know where I am. Uh, I'd be happy to to jump in and do this again, or you oh, and yeah. I can have it have our own little chat. I would um, love that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm at your service. Oh, thank you. So I do have one last question for you before we officially close. We ask everybody this question. So, oh, good. Because the show is called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, what is one practice that is helping you thrive in your life right now? If we were honest, and just from our conversation here, I'm guessing that you would say something similar. I I don't really feel like I am thriving right now. I I feel a little bit like I'm just surviving, and that's mm-hmm. I don't like that. But mm-hmm. I know that it's temporary. Again, that idea of seasons. This is a season. And, and I, uh, and I really do believe that we will see it come to an end and that there's something good that God is doing, even in the midst of all this, he's not causing this, but he is a redeemer. And I Mm -hmm. am really looking forward to the way that, that, that we're going to see some amazing things come, uh, Mm -hmm. from this time. So, so maybe, um, maybe though I'm not thriving, I would say my survival, <laughs> what I'm doing <laughs> to survive really is um, I have another podcast to commend to your listeners. Okay. And, it, and it is, maybe you've heard of it, but it's called Pray As You Go. I don't actually think that's a great title, but I'm sure they won't mind me saying that. Pray As You <laughs> Go is hosted by uh, the Jesuits. So um, for your Protestant listeners, you would notice now and then a little bit of uh, Catholic uh, elements to it. Like they might say, and today is the Feast of St. Bernard. You know, we don't, we don't use that language so much in Protestantism. But it is a beautiful, it's, it's rather similar to what I do in the listening life. It's a beautiful guided meditation through scripture with some reflective questions that always starts out with a little bit of music and ends with glory be to the father and to the son and to the Holy spirit at the end. And for me, what makes it even better, it's British. And so there's oh. lovely voices, <laughs> just lovely what readers be better? Be better than that. So, um, so that really is um, something actually that both my husband and I have enjoyed for years. And it's something even just this morning that really, um, I heard God's voice in that that time. I really did. Um, so that's pray as you go. You can find it. It's an app. It's free, and yeah. and I heartily recommend it. Okay, that sounds lovely, and we'll link it all in the show notes. But I wrote it down because I definitely want to check it out as well. Good, good. So, so Tracy. Thank you so much for our conversation. This has been lovely. I've enjoyed it. I've learned so much from you. Just picked up different things about how to cultivate a life of listening from talking to you today. Just, I mean, I saw, I saw a heron on the way to work (gasps) yesterday morning and I was like, and just talking to you, I'm like, oh yeah, that God, like God helped me to see that. Like that just, 
was there and it was such a I don't usually see them. It was such a blessing yesterday. Excellent. So, oh that's, yeah. That's just wonderful. I I love the image of that. We have herons up here on uh my in-laws have a lake house and we go up there and, and we watch for those herons. We've watched for them for years and and yeah, anytime you see something like majestic like that, we just have to stop and say thank you, Lord, for that beauty. Yeah. That yeah. that that is that needs to help offset the ugliness that we're seeing right now. Yeah, definitely. So thank you for taking the time mm, to my chat pleasure, with me Heidi. today. Yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Tracy. I don't know about you, but I really found our conversation to be a refreshing breath as I thought about starting to look for ways that God is already working in my life, even in the midst of this difficult time. And I hope it provided some hope and insight for you as well. And just really grateful for Tracy for who she is and the gift that she and her work are to the world. If you haven't already, you can follow Asbury Seminary in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at at Asbury Seminary. Until next time, go do something that helps you thrive.